Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. Well, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I know that a lot of you know who I am, so I'm not going to give a lot of explanation, but I have one wife and four children, and life's good. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we pastor in the, in the promised land called Austin, Texas, and, uh, and we have two campuses. We have one in Austin and one in Lockhart which is why I am um, incredibly sunburned today. I'll just explain that before you <laughs> wonder. Uh, and, and, and this is not a pink jacket. This is a, a heather red. Uh, I told the early service, the fact that I even let that come out of my mouth means I should have my man card revoked. <laughs> but yesterday in our Lockhart campus, we did a food giveaway and uh, I don't know if you guys know, but it's hot in Texas right now. And uh, we had uh, four 18-wheeler loads of food to unload and uh, to give away. But we fed over 3,000 people yesterday, and it was awesome, and people's lives were changed, and we all got sunburned. So, well, the dumb ones did. I, you know, I, I have a particular angst against sunscreen. I'm a little bit, of, anybody in here a texture person? I'm a little bit of a texture person. I don't like the way it makes my face feel. I don't like it, you know, it's just, but it was so hot. I, you know, I'd just rather be sunburned. I'll just say that. I just don't, don't put that stuff on my face. I'd just rather be sunburned. And uh, someone said, well, what about skin cancer? I'm like, I rebuke you, devil. <laughs> uh, <laughs> man, we had, a, we, had, we had, it was so hot yesterday, we had a lady pass out. But, you know, among Pentecostals, that's just being slain in the spirit, man. We had revival. It was awesome. We just, we just kept right on going. <laughs> Get right on going. Good. All right. All right. Enough playing. All right. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to First John, chapter four. I want to. I want to share just a very simple thought with you. Um, it's. It's more today is more a, a reminder, I guess, a reminder of of a truth that we all know. Probably the very truth that turned your heart to God in the very beginning. Um, but it's. It's as simple as this truth is. It's. It's. We can't allow the casualness and the simplicity of it to, to cause us to take it for granted. And, and so I want to talk to you today about the love of God. 1 John chapter 4 is where I'm going to read. Again, a probably familiar verse of Scripture for most of you. 1 John chapter 4. Uh, let's start in verse 7. Are you there? First John chapter 4 and verse 7. There it is on the screen for you. I read from the New King James Bible because that's the version Jesus used, so that's what we're <laughs> going to use today. <laughs> I, I hope you're okay with laughing in church a little bit. I, 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 when I was a little kid, we went to such a st- serious church. I'm so glad that... I don't know. I, I feel like we got, we got released early for good behavior. You know, I... The Lord let us out. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> All right, verse 7. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. I love this verse. In this is love, not that we love God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love others. Let's pray. Father, we love you today, and we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your word that brings life and light to our lives. I ask you, Lord, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to be at work within our spirit so that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened in the knowledge of you. I pray that we would leave here knowing you better. That we would leave here with a greater understanding of, of how much you love us. And I give you thanks for your word. I give you thanks for the seed of your word that's going to be sown in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'll tell your neighbor how pretty they are, would you? Turn to them and say something nice. Come on, if you're sitting by yourself, at least wave so we know you're awake. Just something, okay. I know that there there are several people out, but I'm you know I'm 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 always uh, amazed here. No matter who's out, there's always seems to be people that uh, that step up and 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 take the take the lead, and they do it like like they've been doing it all the time, like Miss Faith. Didn't Miss Faith and the team do a great job this morning? Stephen, great singing. I, I, I said in the I said in the early service, I'll say it again. The very first time I ever heard Faith sing, uh, I thought. That's my favorite, and, uh, and I, I was a fan from that, from that point forward, and so I, en- I enjoy hearing her. And, and the last song you wrote, well done, Faith, well done. You married yet? Man, we need to get the word out. Songwriter, singer, wow, it's awesome. Awesome. Any single guys in here? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I won't do that to you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I won't do that. <laughs> we'll stand you up here, auction you off. No. Uh, I wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> First John, written by the Apostle John. John clearly had a, a revelation of this truth. The truth that God loves man. God does. He, he loves man. And John understood that. So much so that he was called the disciple that Jesus loved. The disciple that Jesus loved. Now, I say he was called that. He wasn't really called that. He called himself that. Nobody else called him the disciple that Jesus loved. John wrote that about himself. There's Peter and James and the disciple that Jesus loved. That was John John writing. He, he, He understood it. He got it. He understood that he was loved by God. And you know, when, when push came to shove and everybody was fleeing for their lives, there was one that was standing at the foot of the cross. And that was John, because he understood that perfect love casts out fear. He's unafraid. He's standing there, he understood. John is the one, the writer who gives us the greatest uh, explanations of the love of God and greatest picture of the love of God. In the book of Revelation, Jesus, speaking to the church through John, says to John, says to the church through John, says, you do everything right. You do everything right. You've got everything right. You're, you're, you're a great church. You're caring for people. You're loving each other. But I've got something against you. You forgot. And you've neglected your first love. 
Now, it's, it's important. Listen, it's important. Can we just do, go, do a quick Bible school lesson here? It's important that we understand this is the same John that wrote this. When John uses the phrase first love, he's talking about something specific. Because he defines in 1 John, he goes on further to say that we love God because he first loved us. So when John talks about first love, he's not talking about our first love to God. He's talking about God's love to us. That's the first love. The first love is that God loved us. The second love is our love to him. So when John says you've neglected your first love, he says, church, you're doing everything right, but you've forgotten, and you've neglected, and you've, you, you've overlooked this idea that God loves you. Don't forget that. In all the good things that you can do, all the right things that you can do, all the perfect things that you can do, there's nothing greater that you can do than to be, than to be that one who's, who's proclaiming and remembering God loves us. God loves you. Very simple message. God loves you. Now, where it gets complicated for us, we can say, oh, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you, Taylor. I'm so glad to see Taylor. She's a student. She made my day walking in today. God loves you. God loves you. It's a little easier for us to say that than God loves me. Because all of a sudden, something strange happens when we say that. When we say, God loves me, just say it, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Just say it, to you, say it out loud. Say, God loves me. God loves me. You see, something has, all of a sudden we measure. We measure us in comparison to God's love. And for some, we may feel guilt at the moment that we said that because we think, how could God love? I just, I behaved. I'm this. I'm not that. You see, when we say it to other people, we're not putting that same kind of measurement on them. But when we say it about ourselves, all of a sudden there's a measurement, and we pause, and, and we hesitate at times. God loves me, I think, maybe. No, he does. He does. He loves you. The Bible says that while you were his enemy, a foreigner and stranger and distant from him, he loved you. Listen, when, you were, when everything in your life was opposed to everything that he is, he still loved you. So get over yourself right now and just stop, stop, stop measuring your, your behavior in comparison to, to the love of God. The love of God doesn't change based on how you behave. You may act like a rascal. You may act like a rascal this morning. If you're sitting next to that rascal, don't look at him. Just... <laughs> But if you, you, if you misbehave this morning, God still loves you. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't change. It, he doesn't change. Yeah. Because, because as we read here, he is love. For him to stop loving means that he has to stop being God. Because yeah. he is love. Yeah. There's, a, there's a great book written called The Four Loves, written by C.S. Lewis. Anybody in here like C.S. Lewis? I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of C.S. Lewis. He wrote a book called The Four Loves. It's actually, he didn't write the book. Some, other, some others wrote it. It was four lectures that he gave on four, the four different varying words of love used in the Bible in the Greek. And uh, it's dynamic. You can actually get it on audio, and C.S. Lewis reads it. They say it's the only known audio recording that they even have of his voice. But you can get it. It's, it's very inspiring. But he says about agape love in particular, he says of all the loves, agape is the hardest. 
it's the most difficult kind of love to show because agape love is I love you no matter what you do. It's unconditional. I'm not going to change my mind. Our love is much more comfortable within a conditional realm. I love you and you love me back. We got this exchange. It feels good. Agape love says I'm going to love you no matter how you treat me. I'm going to love you whether you, whether you ever or never love me back. I'm going to love you. And that's the word that the Bible chose to use to say that that's how God loves us. He loved us. Whether we ever loved him back or not, it's not going to change him. He is who he is. And he does what he does. He's not moved by you. So you stop being moved by you and just accept that God loves you. Loves you. And I want to prove that to you in the scriptures in the few minutes that we have. Because I'm on a journey. I'm on a quest personally. I'm, I'm, I'm provoked and convicted when I read scriptures like Ephesians chapter 3. This says that Paul's pleading with the church and his plea is that you may know, that you may know the length and the width and the depth and the height of the love of God. Well, I don't know that I do, but I want to. Anybody like me? I, I, I want to know it. So if you want to know something, you got to go after it. It's not just going to show up at your front door saying, hey, here I am, here's all the knowledge you need. And it set me on a journey through the Scriptures. And what I found is that love had its own journey. Love, if I were titling this sermon, I would call it love's greatest quest. And it was love's quest to find man. And we find this in Genesis chapter 3. If you'll allow me a little bit of liberty today, I'm not manipulating the scriptures, I promise. But because of what 1 John says, that God is love, I'm going to use love primarily even when I'm talking about God. Can everybody handle that for a few minutes? Okay. So let's think about it this way. One evening, love came walking, the Bible says, in the cool of the evening into a garden called Eden because he wanted to come hang out with his friend. And when love got there, he couldn't find his friend. And so love called out, Adam, where are you? And Adam, from the bushes, says, we're over here. We're over here. We, we were naked, and so we hid ourselves. And love says, who told you that? Who told you you were naked? Who have you been listening to besides me? I never told you that. At that moment, there was a disconnect that happened between man and love itself. The name Adam means man. So when love came into the garden because of one man's choice, love called out, man, where are you? And from that day forward, we find love on a journey to find man. 
And on love's journey, love encountered some pretty incredible characters. We don't have time, for the sake of time, we don't have time to cover all of them today, although I would love to. But there are a few I'd like to highlight in the few minutes that we have. Love found a man named Abraham. And the Bible says, love called him his friend. Well, what did Abraham do that was so special to make God and love itself call him his friend? Well, he believed him. He believed everything that love said. The Bible says that he believed and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Love revealing to us that there was a new day coming and that day was going to be a, a day where love was present and faith could work. Because the Bible says that faith works by love. You must get settled if you want to walk a life of faith, really walk by faith. It first starts with understanding that there is love present. And it's love from God to you. There's love present, and in that atmosphere of love, faith works. Because you'll believe. You'll believe in someone that you believe loves you. You'll ask things from someone that you know loves you. You'll take risks for someone that you know loves you. You'll defend someone that you know loves you. Faith works by love. And it was through that relationship that we start to see the very first glimpse of what love has in mind. When love asked his friend Abraham to do the most incredible thing, and that was to sacrifice his only son. We know the story. Abraham went to do it. And the angel stopped him. Isaac got to stay alive. I'm sure Isaac was glad about that. But love started to paint a picture for us. And love came across a man by the name of David. I don't know about you, but I love David. I mean, what a giant slaying screw-up, right? I mean, he gives us hope. <laughs> David's, David's a hopeful picture for us. Yeah. The Bible says about David, when Samuel came to the house to anoint him as king, it says David came walking up, Samuel saw him, and he was young and good-looking. Now, that's easy to read past you and think, oh, okay, good-looking. But this is the Word of God. The Bible says the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of God stands forever. How would you like the Word of God that stands forever to say about you that you're good-looking? <laughs> I think that's a good thing to have in the Bible. The Bible is going to describe us as something. I'll take good-looking. As a matter of fact, the Bible even repeats it when, he, when he's facing Goliath. It says when he came out to face Goliath, it says Goliath disdained him because he was young and good-looking. I'm like, you're not mad because he came out to fight you? It says he was mad at him and disdained him because he was young and good-looking. Let me tell you something. If you're good-looking in this room today, just know people are going to not like you just because of that. So what I say is own it, baby. Just own it. and Beauty's in the eye of the beholder, so whether you consider yourself good-looking or not, just know that somebody will. So go ahead and act like they do. Yeah. Amen. All right, that helps somebody. Man, we can prophesy that into your life. <laughs> but what David revealed to us about the love 
is that love is good. And love has mercy that knows no end. Love is patient. Love restores. Love heals. Love repairs. That's why when Peter, in Acts chapter 10, he goes to Cornelius' house, and he just simply says this, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And whoever would believe that would receive the remission of all their sins. And the Bible says, Peter, describing it like this, says, when I said these things, God purified their hearts by faith. I didn't, I didn't do it. God did that. He purified their hearts by faith. And then they have this big argument in this council about whether the Gentiles can even come in in Acts chapter 15. They're like, okay, Peter, Peter, wait a minute. Peter, Peter, loud mouth, fly off, uh, uh, you know, fly off the handle, cursing Peter, who's now baptized in the Holy Spirit. Peter describes it. Tell us, tell us what you said again. Well, I just told him that God was good. Okay, say it again. Oh, I just told him that God was good. And James, at that point, the Bible says that he stopped the crowd. He made everybody be quiet. And he said, okay, this is the message that was preached that brought about the Holy Spirit and salvation and purification of the hearts of the Gentiles. This must be the fulfillment of the prophecy from the book of Amos that says, in the last days I'll restore the tabernacle of David. Because David revealed to us that love was so very good. And when goodness was preached and hearts were converted, this has to be the time of David. Love is good. Some have said that love hurts. I'm here to tell you it does not. And I've been through some very rough patches in my life. But I've never found love to hurt. What I have found is that not being loved back hurts real bad. Love's a repairer and a restorer and a healer. That's why when someone passes away, we hurt. It's not love that's hurting. It's the fact that that person's not going to love us back anymore. So with David, we find that love is good. And then love finds a, a man by the name of Hosea. And I want to spend just a few minutes here. Finds a man named Hosea. And Hosea is an awesome guy. The Bible describes him as a good, upright man. Hosea, is, he's a prophet of God. And God says from heaven, Hosea, I found you a wife, man. Now, of all the news you could get from heaven for single people, faith, I mean, for single people, <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you like for God to pick out your spouse? I mean, you'd think this has got to be a good deal, right? I mean, God's going to... I mean, people walk around saying, this, you know, I just want to find the, the one that God has chosen for me. Let me just say, don't get caught up in this. Just pick somebody and God will help you, okay? Uh, <laughs> especially you guys, man, single guys, the older you get, the weirder you get. You need a woman in your life that will help you. <laughs> and um, before long, you're going to be storing up water and watching YouTube videos about conspiracy theories and digging a hole. And, oh, God, you just need a woman to help you in your life, okay? Uh, <laughs> Amen. I, I am prophesying to somebody. Somebody needed that right there. You, you think you're normal. We don't. So just get, get that woman and, and, and enjoy. Have a good life. Have a good life. Amen. Amen. But God says, God says, uh, man, I, I got you a wife, man. I, I can't even imagine what Hosea was like, but I would think if, if I were Hosea, I'd be something like, oh, my, oh my Lord, you picked her out. This has got to be good. This has got to be incredible. Is it, 
Is it that pretty girl that plays piano and sings at church? God says, no, I, I, got, some, I got somebody for you. I, I, come on over to the east side. <laughs> but Lord, that's a rough part of town. Yeah, I know, come on. All right. Hosea, look around the corner. There she is. Uh, Lord, all I see are prostitutes. Yeah, I know. And that one's standing right in the middle. That's the one. Okay, wait a second. Okay, Lord, I, it's one thing for you to ask me to marry a prostitute, but that woman's name is Gomer. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's a character on the Andy Griffith show. <laughs> and God says to Hosea, no, I want you to marry her. Because love was intent on painting a picture for us about what love was willing to do for us. And so Hosea married Gomer, the prostitute. The prophet and the prostitute. Man, that ought to be a book, something. The Bible says she would sneak off and run away. and He'd have to go find her and bring her back. And then she started having kids that didn't look like him. And he kept loving her. And one night she ran away and didn't come back. And Hosea went to find her. And he couldn't find her. He couldn't find her at all the places that he knew where she would hang out. He couldn't find her. He couldn't find her among her friends. But then he heard something. He went around another street and there she was on an auction block being sold into slavery. And Hosea runs up and he says, you can't, you can't sell her. You can't buy her. That's my wife. He said, well, if you want her, you're going to have to buy her. And Hosea pulled out his wallet. How much do you want? And he bought her, even though she already belonged to him. Love telling you and me it's willing, even though it doesn't have to and shouldn't have to. Love is willing to buy you, just to have you. And the Bible says that once Hosea bought Gomer, he says to her, from this point forward, you will no longer call me master, but you will call me husband. And Gomer's life changed. She didn't leave anymore. She stayed with him all of her days. And then love became flesh and dwelt among us. In the form of a human being, love walked on the earth. And love says, I'm here to seek and to save that which was lost. What was lost? Man. The cry from the garden was still in effect. Where are you? Man, where are you? And love comes to earth saying, I'm here to find it. I'm here to find man. 
And love showed us how it would behave when a woman was caught in adultery and thrown at the feet of love himself. And he said, I don't accuse you and I don't condemn you. Stop sinning. You see, love's message really is freedom from sin. But we cannot walk truly free from sin without being empowered by an atmosphere that's free of condemnation and accusation. And love's helping us understand that. Love's not condemning. Love's not accusing. But love's saying, stop it. Love has a better life for you. The Apostle Paul said, why would you go back to sin once you've been delivered from it? Why would you do that? That's a horrible life. Love's message is not a passive message when it comes to sin. But love's message is still says, stop it. Is that too strong for Sunday morning? You okay with that? Love showed us that when the sick came, they were healed. When the dead were brought, they were raised to life. And one day, <clears throat> love found itself in a garden. A garden called Gethsemane. And the Bible says that Love spoke these words, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. You see, Christ didn't exaggerate. He was dying in the garden. The Bible says that he sweat great drops of blood. That is a medical condition they have discovered over time. It's a medical condition called hematohydrosis, which means that the capillaries in your body rupture and blood starts coming out of your pores. They have documented, they say, that the longest a person can live once that condition has set in, the longest they've ever seen someone live is 15 minutes. You see, despite what the pictures say, there wasn't just a little drip of blood running down his, down his head. Jesus, love himself, was bleeding from every pore in his body. He was bleeding from the bottom of his feet to the very top of his head. Blood was coming out of him, and he's calling out to God saying, Let this cup pass from me! Mark's account says, Let this hour pass from me! Some have said that this is Jesus showing his weakness as a human being and, and trying to get God to change the plan. I refuse to believe that. You may want a Jesus. You may, you may like having a Jesus that wanted to quit, but not my Jesus. You see, my Jesus wasn't trying to quit. He wasn't trying to get out of the cross. He was trying to get out of the garden. He was trying to get to the cross. He was dying right there. And he said, I can't die here. Deliver me from this. But if somehow the plan has changed and your will is what it is, then I submit to that. But in crying out for deliverance in the garden, what Jesus was saying, what love was crying out was, I can't die here. I haven't, I haven't taken stripes on my back yet. I haven't paid for their sicknesses and their diseases. If I die, I die too soon. I can't die here. Get me out of this. Get me to the whipping post. I haven't paid for their prosperity and their sins yet. This is too soon. 
And the Bible says that angels came and restored him back to health. And he left that garden and he stood before Pontius Pilate. And this is why I'm convinced Jesus was not quitting. Because he stood and he looked the executioner right in the face and he said, for this reason I was born. And for this cause I've come into this earth. That doesn't sound like a quitter to me. And love went to that whipping post. And again, despite the pictures, he wasn't whipped like you might imagine. So let me paint a picture for you. I'm not saying these things to, to try to be gory. But I want to know the height. I want to know the depth. The length and the width. You see, Jesus was whipped with what was known as the cat of nine tails. It was an incredible tool that the Romans used. The man who was trained to use it was known as the Roman lictern. And it had nine braids of leather on it, and stuck within those braids were various pieces of sharp rock and metal. And when the lictern would cast that cat of nine tails, just before it would reach the person, the victim, he would twist it like that and throw those nine braids out and they would stick all over the body and then he would just yank it and pull full strips of flesh off. Jesus wasn't being whelped. He was having his skin removed from him. And the Roman lictrons didn't whip people like you might see in other pictures. If you study the history on it, some say that, you know, they got whipped like that. They didn't get whipped like that. The Romans had a, had a certain pattern that they used, and they used a stump and made the person bend over like this so that that Roman lictern could strike the greatest amount of force coming down instead of sideways, get gravity to work for him. They say that noses and eyes and ears were ripped off of people with the, by the Roman lictor. Many people died at the whipping post. The Bible records that after Jesus was whipped, he stood before the people, and they didn't even recognize him as the same man. He had been whipped so badly that they didn't even know it was him. And all for one reason, so you could be well. You see, at the whipping post, he wasn't paying for your sins. At the whipping post, he was paying for one thing only, your health. Stop tolerating and putting up with sickness and disease in your life as if it's something from God. The price Jesus paid. We should never allow such a foolish thought to come into our mind. That somehow this is God's plan. It's not. Jesus paid a high price for you to be free of sickness and disease. Love left the whipping post, had a crown of thorns placed on his head, breaking a curse of poverty off of your life because the curse from the garden said that for the rest of your life you would eke out a living by the sweat of your brow. And he took that crown of thorns on his head to break that curse off of your life. Love took nails in his hands so that whatever your hands touch, it can prosper. He took nails in his feet so that wherever you tread, you will possess the land. 
By the time Jesus got to the cross, he was covered in blood. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't sweet. It was horrible. It was tragic. It was disturbing. But he didn't stay on that cross. He came down from that cross, having died. The Bible says he was buried, put into the ground. And in the ground, the Bible says he went into the very depths of the earth, faced the devil himself, took away from him the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And on the third day, (laughs) you see, this is what separates us from everybody else. See, everybody had a prophet, and their prophets died just like ours did. But, but, but ours didn't stay in the ground. Ours couldn't stay in the ground because there was something more powerful at work than just a mere human being. There was a, a love that was at work that was on a quest to find and to seek and to save that which was lost from the very beginning. He was here to, to, to redeem man back again, to buy man back again. And on the third day, the ground shook, and the stone rolled away, and love came bursting out of the ground, and heaven cried out. Adam, I found you. Man, man was found. So I simply say to you today, God loves you. God loves you. Let today be the last day that you ever question that. And Jesus said, God said through the Apostle Paul about Jesus, if I would give you Jesus, I'd give you anything. So I ask you, and this is a question to ask yourself. I'm not particularly looking for an answer, but something to think about. What more can he do? What more can he do? He did it all. He did it all. Because he loves you. Would you stand to your feet, please? There's a very simple song. I'd like for us to sing together. Many of us, we've sung it since we were little kids in church. It goes like this. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Father, we thank you for this day, for this moment. 
this moment of remembrance, this moment of rediscovery of how great your love is for us. And Lord, I pray and believe that that from this day forward, we're no longer questioning. The doubt is gone. You love us. Settled once and for all. And Lord, if there are some in here today who have wrestled and debated within themselves about this very issue, I pray, Father, that today would be just the very beginning of a, of a journey of discovery of every day understanding more and more how much you love them. Lord, may we all be on that constant journey to know the length and the width and the height and the depth of your love for us. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and for the price that he paid to redeem us, to buy us back, to save us, to deliver us, to heal us, to break the power of sin off of our life. Thank you for your forgiveness, for your love, and your mercy. In Jesus' name. Before I let you go, I just want to say one thing to you. Because I don't know everybody in the room, so I'll make no, I don't want to make wrong assumptions here. So let me just say this. John 3.16, if I could put it as simply, I would say it like this. God loves you. He sent Jesus to prove it. Believe in it. If you've never believed on the Lord Jesus, let today be that day. Believe Jesus. Believe in him. Believe that God loves you so much that he sent Jesus. Forgiveness of sins is yours. Eternal life is yours. And I'll finish, not, for, not just to be redundant, but I'll finish by just saying one more time, God loves you. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.